Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, uh, we'll jump into our Miami preview here, but before we do, let's take the time to appreciate our uh, partners in New Iberia, Louisiana, the makers of Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Want to uh, thank them for the leadership they provide, and as always, appreciate just the general level of interaction that our listeners have with them, whether it be through uh, social media or anywhere else, uh, whether it be the power of their purchasing power or their wallet. Uh, it's just been a very mutually beneficial relationship, and thank you to all involved. Absolutely, man. A great partnership we have with Louisiana Hot Sauce, and uh, looking forward to a great episode. All right, bud. Let's uh, jump right into it here. Uh, Miami is, uh, to their credit, rebounded from a, a pretty tough loss uh, in the first game of the year for them, Saturday night. That was uh, quite a fond memory for you and I and many of our listeners as it coincided with the uh, Nolcast tailgate, excuse me, Sunday night. But uh, since then, Miami suffered a little bit of a rough loss that Sunday evening, but to their credit, has uh, responded well and sit very much kind of on the uh, on the verge of becoming the ACC Atlantic champion over the course of the season and kind of having the season that maybe many people uh, forecasted them after after last year's ride. Indeed, it, it seems like they're showing some improvements over last year in some areas, not all, uh, and the schedule is uh, extremely friendly, especially now that Florida State has gone in the tank and, and doesn't project to make a bowl uh, at this time. Maybe that'll change. We'll have to see. But uh, 3.30 kickoff. And uh, the line currently sits at uh, Miami minus 14 with an over-under of, I think, 48, 47 at last check. So Vegas is feeling a uh, kind of a, a 31-14 type game. That's really bad math by being on the fly. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, a little bit of rough math from you. I'm pretty sure I just told people that Miami was in the Atlantic. Uh, who knows? It's a it's a strong start for the Nolcast, uh, if that's the case. So I think we'll finish uh, well, though. I, yeah, I, I, I like gonna... I like our show breakdown tonight. <laughs> all right. So uh, not not all of these places are going to be uh, particularly great matchups for Florida State, but uh, maybe the best one is if we just look at uh, from an overall perspective is. If we look at Miami's offense uh, versus Florida State's defense and kind of where those two groups uh, rank nationally and kind of the various strengths that they leave uh, or, excuse me, that they bring to the playing field. Yeah, Florida State has done a, a pretty good job this year of replacing, you know, kind of their best player at every level of the defense. Uh, and, and you know, they, they've played admirably on defense, learning the new scheme under Harlan Barnett. Uh, you know, a little bit of a step back last week, I, I think Louisville exposed some weaknesses that, you know, you and I have been discussing for a while as far as the the, the, the linebackers and pass coverage and, and some of the safeties uh, not named Stanford Samuels III. So that'll be an interesting storyline to follow here. Florida State's defense checks in at 33rd uh, nationally in, in Bill Connolly's S&P rankings and uh, Miami's offense 24th. So pretty even there. You know, 24th, 33rd is, is, uh, is, is very tight, especially compared to some other matchups, which we will see later on in, uh, in the year. Now, some interesting stuff on, on Miami's offense, right? They're 44th and 51st, 44th in efficiency, 51st in explosiveness, 69th in marginal efficiency, 25th in marginal explosiveness. So they're more explosive than they are efficient, at least so far on the year overall. Um, you know, it is safe to say they're better at hitting big plays than sustaining drives. They've also been really good in the red zone. They're actually third nationally. You know, they score more than six points, 6.06 points per trip into that zone. That's really incredible. That's also, 
you know, maybe not totally sustainable when I look at how good their offense is overall. Um, there, there's really no magical red zone dust, right, that you can sprinkle on, on an offense. You, there are certain elements of an offense that can help you be good in the red zone, maybe help you outperform your overall offensive performance rating, but probably not to that extent. You're usually not, you know, mid-20s in offense and and six, or excuse me, third nationally in the red zone. Um, they've also had tremendous starting field position. They're actually sixth nationally in starting field position thanks to their defense and special teams. Uh, that's something Florida State's offense they can't relate. Uh, they, they are, as we'll discuss about in a minute, they almost always start backed up in their own end. Uh, and I said special teams there, but I really – it's not like Miami's overall special teams are good. They're, the special teams elements which help to set up the offense are pretty solid. Their punt return, their kick return – that type of stuff. Their uh, their punting and kicking game this year have not been very good. But you know, on defense, Florida State pretty good at stopping drives, 49th and 37th. But they will definitely give up the big play, 73rd and 75th, which is exactly what we thought this defensive design under Harlan Barnett would do. So no real surprises there. That's playing out sort of as expected, unlike a, a lot of stuff so far in Florida State's season. The one key difference here is that Florida State's defense has been set up for failure by its offense. Absolutely. 127th worst field position Florida State's defense has faced this year. That is just a, a tremendous uphill battle the defense has constantly had to fight. They would look a lot better, I think, to casual fans who don't pay attention to analytics. And you know, I know most people who listen to the show probably do pay attention to analytics. It's, a, you know, it's kind of a, a little smarter slice of the fan base. But they, they look worse than, than they've been in part because of their really terrible starting field position. It's very true, and Florida State's uh, done no favors for its offense whatsoever, and you were right to point out kind of the complete opposite reaction or the complete opposite relationship that uh, Miami's offense has enjoyed with its own special team unit and uh, defense. And it's also, and this is just one game, but it's worth putting some of these offensive stats through the filter of – Miami having a 77 nothing win against Savannah State that's always going to always going to help uh kind of smooth over some rough spots but these stats are what they are and they exist for a region uh reason I think maybe the greater level of unknown is is exactly how Miami's offense will uh respond to uh Nicosi Perry becoming the full-time absolute well-established number 1 player and how much that kind of changes uh, what they're able to do with a, a quarterback in theory that will be a little bit more accurate and probably a little bit more consistent with delivering the ball. Yeah, that, that's been a really interesting thing. I, I know you've gone back and watched. I've gone back and watched the Miami. You know, Perry does look more comfortable running the offense, which is not anything that I think Miami people heard in, in you know, spring ball and in fall camp and, you know, and really through the early part of the season. But I, I think that they went to him Honestly, just because they didn't trust Rozier to to make any improvements. I mean, Malik just didn't look any better uh, than he did last year. And, in fact, in some areas, might have looked worse. So, they, I think they kind of said, well, probably can't be much worse, right? And if you're going to try a new guy, FIU and UNC are, are, are two of the teams you probably want to try him against. So far, throwing the football, Miami's been 55th in efficiency, 47th in explosiveness. Somewhat better under Nikosi Perry, but you got to remember, of course, you know he hasn't played – really any decent defense yet. I think he has better physical tools than, than Rozier. You know, I, I liked Perry as a recruit. I didn't, like, love him like a you know, number one quarterback or anything like that. I actually thought Jaron Williams was probably a better prospect, so we'll see how that plays out 
in the coming years. He actually has the exact same yards per attempt as Rozier, despite playing worse competition overall. And he's already thrown three picks in two games, which is kind of remarkable because he really hasn't thrown you know, that many passes overall. His completion rate, interestingly here, is a lot better than Rozier's, 67 or 52. So I don't know that he's actually leading a more explosive offense, but I do think that they might stay on schedule a little bit better under him if he doesn't have as many of the kind of the, the WTF misses, you know, the, the ones that just don't make any sense at all. He's also not had to throw from behind at all or in a tight game at all. It, it's just been, you know, not not much, man. Uh, he's he's very, very inexperienced, and that's something that, that I think Florida State will have to try to capitalize some if it can. Uh, for those that didn't have the uh, viewing pleasure of watching uh, Miami UNC, I would have, uh, I, I would have loved to see how uh, Perry responded to playing at least a you know decently talented defense. Uh, Miami's defense basically was uh, kind of routinely handed the ball in either scoop and score or pick sixes or interceptions that were just hard to explain. Basically, UNC kind of removed themselves from contention in that game it's hard to get a real feel for it but you know there there is a, an element of unknown in, in Perry and how he'll respond uh to maybe you know the the stage that this game can present and certainly the uh the level of athlete that he might see at, at some places Florida State it's not you know certainly not loaded to the brim with elite defensive talent but there are people on that defense that are you know different levels of athlete than that of which he's seen anyway Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, and I, I don't think they faced anybody who gives them any real resistance up front. And, and Perry's only thrown 51 passes, right? I mean, that's not that's not very many. Um, we, we don't know how he'll play in a game like this. Now, I think the smart assumption is that he won't have to win the game for Miami. He'll just have to not lose it. And that he'll probably get the ball in very friendly territory a couple times. If FSU's games will hold the form, which I... You know, I, I, don't, I don't buy into this idea that it, you know, because it's the Miami rivalry that it's just totally different. I don't. Uh, may, maybe some do. There can be some differences, obviously, but you know, generally I don't think teams totally transform who they are just because they're playing in a rivalry game. Now, we probably should talk about his top target here. Uh, and that's that's Jeff Thomas. I don't know. I was feeling I was feeling better uh, until we had to get to the Jeff Thomas part of this uh, part of this program. That that's a that's a guy that certainly can scare you if you're a Florida State fan. He's uh, real tall, long. Does a has had impressive plays against LSU. Uh, he's just somebody that is going to be a real tough matchup for Florida State. And I think he's got the what does he have? Twenty five plus yards uh, average per catch so far this season. It's going to be going to be somebody that can give Florida State a lot of matchups problems, and then also. You know, somebody that can kind of help erase a third and 13 situation or situations where the offense have otherwise have kind of placed themselves in a in a position to not be operating from a place of strength. Exactly right. You know, Ingram, in doing my national recruiting editor job, I, I see a lot of fast kids. And it, it does take a lot for me to say, whoa, that kid is fast. Like even amongst all of the other elite players that I'm watching out there at these camps and combines and all-star games and, and high school games. But Jeff Thomas is one of those guys, man. He really makes you say, Ooh, wow, okay, that, that dude has some wheels. And, uh, you know, last week Louisville was able to, to scheme open a number of deep shots over the middle from their slot receivers. Now, I don't know if Jeff Thomas has, has the receiver 
like savvy and moxie that, that a Des Fitzpatrick has, but I am sure that Florida State doesn't have anybody who can run with him. That's going to be a problem. I think you should probably expect him to be fairly open on vertical routes several times in this game. And if Florida State's going to win this game, it's either going to need to have pressure on Perry, you know, to, to sack him or force him to you know, get rid of the ball before Thomas comes open or maybe affect the throw and, and hope that he misses it. But from a coverage standpoint, I, I think that is a real mismatch in Miami's favor. I don't think Florida State has anybody who can really cover him in the slot on those vertical routes. Um, that, that, to me, is probably going to be an issue, especially because FSU's linebackers are real bad in coverage. And so, you know, if you play your safeties deep on him, he's got all that space to work with between the backers and the safeties because the backers aren't getting the depth on their drops and, and are not really communicating very well right now. So that's that probably be a problem. But it's it's one, I think, for Florida State, you have to try and neutralize. They will be, looks like, without Amon Richards, their, their number one receiver. But he's missed every game this year or, or most every game this year. I know, I know he's had, had a bone bruise, and those take a long time to heal. And Rick uh, wouldn't rule out the possibility of a redshirt for him because he's an, an uber-talented kid and a nice kid, so I certainly wish him all the best. But uh, he's not going to be playing in this game. But, yeah, uh, Jeff Thomas is, is the real threat from the slot. On the outside, you know, Miami's got some decent receivers. So far, they, they really haven't had anybody step up on the outside to to truly replace the impact that an Amon Richards can, can have. Their main weapon is, is, is that slot guy, Jeff Thomas. Slot to God, Jeff Thomas, uh, Florida State fans will remember the name uh, Daryl Langham from last year, freshman Brian High- Hightower's an All-American kid at a IMG. I know uh, I remember him from recruiting, and he's somebody that you may see more and more of uh, come Saturday. I feel like we've you know given people a decent ideas to their passing game. Uh, Miami in general is uh, an offense that relies heavily on RPO and play action, and then. Uh, you know, it be interesting to see Perry, I think, in uh, in theory, is probably as, as good of a runner as Rozier, maybe, maybe even a better runner. But uh, on average, I think they've had the quarterback carry the ball uh, somewhere around eight times a game. And uh, like many offenses, things work a, a hell of a lot better in that one when they're able to uh, occasionally make you make you account for all 11 players on the field. Maybe like a uh, an offense in Tallahassee, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you saw the article today on, on Tomahawk Nation, but we had some uh, some gifs and some videos of Francois running pre-injury and post-injury, and and I got to tell you, man, it's night mm-hmm. and day. Yeah, uh, his mobility is nowhere close. It, it, I mean, it looks like he's covering about a foot a step nowadays. And before he used to, he used to be able to stride it out a little bit and, and had some wiggle to him. And and it, it's not necessarily the top end that that is so different with with, with Francois right now, but it looks like the acceleration is really different. You know, he takes so much longer to get up to top speed now. So, you know, I guess the last thing on, on Perry, he's got a lot of trust in his arm, man, a lot of trust. And, you know, if Florida State's going to win this game, I, I think that they're going to have to to get some turnovers. And, look, that's basically saying they're going to have to get lucky. And in some ways, yes, absolutely. But, you know, some some tip balls that, that they get tipped up in the air because maybe you shouldn't have thrown them in, in that spot because the coverage was too tight. That get picked off by Florida State, or maybe him holding the ball a little bit too long. You know, Miami's offense is not without questions, right? And, and we don't know how much they can get Perry to dial it back because right now he's riding pretty high. 
but a good chance for us to uh, pause momentarily and thank our friends at For the Table Restaurant Group. I'll go ahead and put out about a two-week warning here on the uh, 17th is Reuben Day, something that we've been uh, exciting to uh, be able to partner with and be able to preach the uh, preach the power that does lie within Madison Social's uh, Reuben Sandwich. It's something that they do once a month, something to put on your calendar and uh, like many things they do, just uh, just a little bit higher quality than maybe you'll be able to find elsewhere and something uh, that the Nullcast wholeheartedly recommends. Up- upscale Pub Grub, man. A-, a great place to go watch a game, enjoy a great sandwich, great burger, awesome salads, and, and a great view right there in College Town in, in, the, uh, in the shadow of Dope Campbell Stadium as well as sister restaurants, uh, Central and Township. So definitely go check them out. And we appreciate For the Table Restaurant Group sponsoring us this year. But before we move to uh, to the other side of the ball and preview that part of the game, why don't we uh, just spend a second here and, and take a look at Miami's run game. Not something that they're uh, necessarily prolific at, but they do have uh, they do have some explosive plays and they do have uh, one or two backs that are, are pretty dependable and are not going to be something that will uh, easily be shut down for Florida State. Yeah, I, look, obviously Travis Homer is a good back. He, he's a kid Florida State recruited and, and, and liked. I mean, he's not the biggest kid, but you know he could run between the tackles. He's got some decent vision. He's hit a couple home runs. You know, Miami's offensive line we, we've not talked about yet, but they're they're not that great. LSU handled them fairly well up front. They don't necessarily play with great consistency. I know on Tomahawk Nation came under with it the Miami website. Lead blogger said and manager said, you know, look, I, I do fear FSU, Miami's offensive line in big games. And, and that's a spot where FSU, they really might have a big advantage in this one. Marvin Wilson looked pretty good at times against Louisville. You know, Brian Burns will certainly be motivated to make big time plays down there. Florida State doesn't really have anybody at the other defensive end spot right now unless Josh Kando is going to manage to take a huge step forward. And, you know, we're, we're, you, you might go broke betting on that if you've been betting every game uh, so far. But I, I do think on the interior, Florida State has the ability to neutralize Miami's run game and really force Perry to throw it, you know. And and I feel like that's an important thing because he really hasn't been in a spot where he's had to throw it before, you know. You do got to watch the explosive runs. Though. Miami has done a good job of hitting home runs with the run game. And they're 16th nationally in, in run game explosion, 86th or 87th nationally in run game efficiency. So that's a pretty big split. They, on a down and down basis, they don't seem to to do a great job with the run game and then they'll pop one, um, which is something I think in Tallahassee people are still waiting for. Again, I, I guess my my greatest worry about this game from, from this side of the ball is, is Miami's ability to pick on FSU's uh, linebackers and safeties. I think Florida State probably has an advantage with their corners and defensive line, but the, uh, the, the middle of the second and third levels is, is definitely a concern. Bud will uh, move over to uh, the other side of the ball here. Florida State's offense currently ranked 109th in the country. Going to be matched up against Miami's defense, ranked uh, 26. And this uh, is is confirmed a uh, very much a significant mismatch here. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know where we start with this. This is, on paper, this shouldn't be close. You know, Miami should hold FSU to the single digits, probably, or, or, or close to it. You know, Florida State... They're 125th and 110th in efficiency. Miami's defense is 4th and 15th. So if you think this is the week where you're going to sustain a bunch of drives, I would tell you that's probably not the week where you're going to sustain a bunch of drives because, you know, obviously Miami doesn't really allow many sustained drives and Florida State 
can't really string uh, plays together. If you are going to find some success, it'll probably have to come via explosive plays, which is what Florida State is actually okay at, 15th and 30th in explosion and marginal explosiveness. Miami's defense actually seems to play a lot like Florida State's in that they really sell out to stop drives, and they will trade it off by giving up big play at times, 94th and 60th for Miami in those areas. So huge advantage for Miami in stopping you know, sustained drives. Maybe an advantage for Florida State in, uh, in in creating some explosive plays. But, man, the field position here is going to be absolutely key. Florida State is like 127th in starting field position. And that has just killed this offense so far. I mean, every, every single game they play, they're fighting like a 100-plus yard field position deficit. And in a, in a game against a lesser opponent, you can overcome that. In a game where the opponent's better than you are, which Miami is, you probably can't overcome that. So – that's got to change, or the the scoreboard could get pretty ugly. When you look at this part of the game, you can, you know, you can you can be as optimistic as you want to be and try to uh, run through a couple series in your heads that you know maybe this could happen, maybe this a certain individual could have a breakout run. You know, trying to figure out ways that Florida State's in this game, and then you you just examine uh, some of the stats that are associated with the line of scrimmage, and you look at some of the stats that are have to do with where Florida State uh, has been starting with the ball and it just uh, it becomes it becomes a lot it becomes an awful lot and to the point where it's uh, it's hard to talk about this part of the game much at all and and have any kind of optimistic idea uh, for Florida State come Saturday evening so I know Bill Connolly somebody that we both enjoy and have read a lot of uh, he has a stuff rate for those that aren't familiar that is a uh, ball carrier being stopped either at or behind the line of scrimmage uh, Miami is uh, leading the country in this stat, and Florida State is currently uh, dead last. So that's just kind of a little bit of a, a simple vantage point to look at this. Wait, what? Run that by me one yeah, more time? Yeah, Miami leads the nation in his uh, collective stuff rate, and Florida State is dead last in stuffs allowed. So you're saying that if Florida State gets two or three yards on, on a run on first down, that's probably a win. <laughs> I would. Uh, I would happily... Happily take the series of events that leads Florida State to be in that third and four, third and five window. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, you know, like you said at the beginning, not not going to be a, a unit that you can necessarily expect to have a whole lot of long sustained drives against. So, Bud, uh, if there are avenues for Florida State maybe to have some success, whether they be via play action or whatever else, why don't uh, why don't you lay them out to the listener here? Okay, so if Florida State's going to beat Miami, which from our tone, you probably don't think we're going to pick. But I think you need Francois to be really quick and really correct in his decision-making. You cannot have the, the, the misreads in, in, in the read game. He needs to make the right decision pre- and post-snap, and he needs to do it quickly. You know, it, It's one thing to do, to do well against Louisville throwing the ball, but they're going to need him to do all the small things and, and, and to be a great leader and a great – you know, great point guard of this offense. You know, that's going to be a tough challenge for him because he's not really done a good job of that yet, right? Like, he's not been effective in the run game. I actually would run him on some design runs in this game just to get him into the flow of it and uh, and because I, I don't know that you can actually count on him to do the read game. You know, if you want to go back and, and watch, you know, USF and Oregon cut-ups to see what this offense is supposed to look like, where where this coaching staff has run it very successfully before, 
and then you watch what it is now, it's it's really night and day. And I think that's the biggest thing missing is a quarterback who makes quick decisions and has mobility to to threaten the defense. If Miami can play ten on or eleven on ten in this game, by that I mean if they can face FSU's run game and they don't have to worry about Francois, it's really game over. Francois is not a good enough passer to to not threaten the defense at all with, with his legs and, and, and tear him up for 500 yards or something like that. You know, he, he's not like a Sam Bradford back at Oklahoma or anything. Miami does have some some kind of weird splits with their standard and passing downs. Like they actually seem to play a lot better on standard downs than on passing downs, which is kind of odd to me because the defense you know, generally has the advantage in long down and distance. Florida State also has some weird reverse splits in, in this regard. So that's just something I'm going to be watching, you know. Is Miami going to continue to dominate on early downs? And is Florida State going to continue to be better on long down and distance uh, than than they are in standard downs relative to, to competition? I will say that if you're going to throw on first down, it needs to be like quick game screen or play action. I don't think just the, the first down dropbacks are a real good idea in this game simply because Miami does play so aggressively on defense. They are trying to sack the quarterback at seemingly all times, and that gets them in trouble sometimes. But in doing so, you know, I, I think if you're not trying to neutralize that some with play action, uh, th- then you could be in real trouble on, on early downs. I would stay with the run game in this game uh, to the extent that I can for a lot of reasons. I, I think it helps keep you, if not ahead of the chains, just not like notably behind the chains. It also runs the clock some, and um, that, that could help you with the eventual outcome in this game. Also, when you go play action, I think you need to take shots, man. Miami safeties will definitely give up some some deep balls. It's something they do, and uh, that's just kind of a it's kind of a risk they're just willing to accept on their defense. And, and with that, look, Florida State's hit them the last couple games to to Terry and and Gavin and, and Murray and, and DJ. They're going to need to win those one on one battles on the outside consistently, especially off play action. When, when play action frees you up one-on-one, you as a receiver got to go and, and make a play, and, and, and hopefully Francois can continue to put the ball on the money on play action like he's done for the most part of the last two games. Yeah, it's a defense that uh, you know is, is really solid up front. Uh, those that aren't familiar, uh, Gerald Willis, one of the better defense tackles in the country, leads uh, – Leads the country in a couple different statistical categories. Uh, Garvin and Jackson are both younger kids who uh, are just kind of growing into the defense as well. And uh, I know this is going to come as a surprise to uh, those of Florida State fans, but you will get the chance to see very capable and uh, a well than more than adequate linebackers this weekend. Uh, maybe the best unit in the country, and uh, that's something that Florida State will have to contend with. So uh, basically, if there is a if there is an underbelly to this defense, if if there is a soft spot where Florida State can can try to pry and and see where the uh, success might come, it it may very well be uh, testing the the secondary of what it otherwise is a really aggressive defense. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like their secondary guys are are bad players. They just they're, they're put on islands a lot, and eventually, you know, the, those islands get swamped. All right, Ingram, we'll pause again to thank our, our third sponsor of the night, Resolution Home Loans. Resolution Home Loans has, has been with us now. Uh, for two seasons, a, a great sponsor, and, and they want to get you a loan that fits you. Personal service is what you're going to get. Knowles helping Knowles. When you call Chad and Shannon at 844-FSU-LOAN or visit FSUHomeLoans.com, that's 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com, you're going to get hooked up with, with directly with, with the top mortgage guys 
at resolution. You're not going to deal with a different person each time. You're going to get great personal service, a great rate, and you're going to close fast. They want to go up-tempo on your loan, but with good communication, no false starts, no lining up incorrectly, just a smooth process with great customer service throughout. So give them a call or hit their website today. Speaking of the run game strategy this week with Florida State, I think this is very interesting. Florida State is, is a you know a team that likes to run a mix of, of, of gap schemes and zone schemes. Because Miami is so dependent on, on getting penetration, I think you're going to see more you know down down kick you know more more, more gap type blocking uh, from FSU's unit this week. That, that's what I would try to do. The problem is Florida State's guards are not any good at pulling. They're they're really slow footed, and so it, it they're not really good at at that type of blocking either. And, and that's going to be a problem in this game more than likely. I know Arthur Williams was getting some reps as a first-teamer at guard. He's shown more quickness than Mike Arnold has, so, so maybe that's, that's something they're contemplating right there. I do not expect Landon Dickerson to play. He's not been at practice this week. I don't know that he's done for the year or anything like that, but I, I do not expect him to play in this game after he gave it a good go at it at, uh, um, at Louisville. Uh, obviously, Willie Taggart said that his reaction in his ankle to, to playing in the Louisville game was, I think, worse than expected. And, and I don't know about Derek Kelly's status. We'll, we'll see. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I think you need to kind of weigh weigh your options here, right? Uh, on the one hand, you, you don't want to get blown out big time by Miami. That's that's not good for your program image and not not good for recruiting. On the other hand, you know, if you if you got Derek Kelly. And, and you can get them through, you know, wake in the bye week, then you really might have something there for, for the second half of the season in your quest to, to make a bowl game. So that that's something I'm going to watch to see how good is FSU going to be able to do with their with their gap blocking, with with, with their with their guards pulling in the scheme. And you can run dart, you know, till the cows come home, but you need to be able to run more than that. You need your guards to be able to pull here, and they're they're pretty slow. So that's a problem when you're facing Miami's linebackers and also Gerald Willis, who has been an absolute beast this year in the middle for Miami and, and you know, an extremely talented prospect who had a lot of personal issues and a lot of you know behavioral problems at Florida and uh, ultimately got kicked out or transferred to Miami or, or whatever, but left under kind of less than, less than welcome terms and uh, sat out last year and, and is now – back and uh, apparently being a leader and all that good stuff and, and really wrecking opposing offenses. So, yeah, the, in the run game, Florida State's offensive line, how are they going to do with their gap blocking will be something I'm going to watch. And then without Dickerson, unless you know some miracle happens, which, I, again, guys, I do not expect Landon Dickerson to play. How in the world is Florida State going to hold up against this type of speed at the tackle positions? You know, man, we've talked about this. When I when I was laying out the you know, when we were having that chat, remember a couple weeks ago when we were like, hey, how do they get to a bowl, right? Which games are actually winnable given this offensive line? We kind of said three games are, are not winnable due to the offensive line and the shape it was in, and that was when they didn't have Dickerson, and now they again, for my information, don't have Dickerson. Miami, Clemson, and Notre Dame were the three we said they really couldn't win, and yet I'm not telling you that they absolutely can't win it. I just don't think it's real likely. We probably need to talk about the turnover luck aspect of this too, because if if FSU pulls this off, 
this is going to be probably the main reason why. Yeah, it's time for, time for turnover luck to, to bounce our way. So Florida State is 130th, I believe, uh, nationally when it comes to turnover luck. I also believe that 130th happens to be out of 130 positions. How many? But yeah, 100, yeah, 130. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's by a lot, too, by the way. Florida State's, oh, at, like, Florida State's at like a 602, and the next team's at like a 5-5. Five, five. I don't, I don't so, want to just be at the bottom. I, I want there to be <laughs> considerable headroom there. Uh Eventually, these things have to level themselves out. They, they, these things, you know, there, there is a massive, massive proponent or component of luck, and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Florida State has some kind of uh, bizarre situation on Saturday where you know six balls hit the field and five of them are recovered by the uh, the team with a spear on their helmet. I don't know. At some point, this is going to have to literally bounce Florida State's way. And uh, may there may there be no better time than this Saturday night to do so. My projected Florida State win, if it happens, okay, is like a 21-17 type game where Florida State is like plus three in the turnover margin. Francois has a couple runs that, that surprise them. Not, not kill him, but just surprise him. Maybe picks up a first down or two with his legs. And Marvin Wilson goes off in the middle enough to really create pressure that that quarterback Nikosi Perry has not seen before, and no special teams blow ups. Is that likely? Probably not. What What does yours look like as far as if if Florida State pulls this off? How does it happen? On the first defensive series, uh, series Adonis Thomas just gives that look to Harlan Burnett, like. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to take a, a targeting call here, and I'm going to do my best to replicate what uh, one Matthew Thomas did a couple years ago, uh, and just go hunting for people's teeth with the idea that I might not be able to play the rest of the game. In all seriousness, it well, that might not be the worst idea, but uh, a more legitimate approach would be that I think you have to see Florida State actually block a punt or make some kind of significant uh, special teams play. You have to have a a part of uh, Miami's game just completely collapse in the moment, the atmosphere. Maybe that's their offensive line. Maybe that's uh, their quarterback. I don't know. And then uh, you would have to, uh, you know, I think you probably have to have this be some kind of close game and, and the pressure of uh, of all that sits on them and, and what, you know, may be an opportunity of, uh, of beating a team that they have no business letting them be in a game with that uh, – you know, maybe that crowd and the the atmosphere kind of turns against them, and you're able to you're able to hit some kind of crazy fluky play late, uh, where you win a game, you know, twenty four to twenty one or something like that. But that's uh, that's that's my rosiest picture, and uh, it's it's filled with a whole lot of ifs, maybes, and happenstance. All right, so it is very uh, very important here to recall two like, like your Donis Thomas comment reminded me here of two two happenings, one. In uh, Mighty Ducks 2, where they send in Wolf, the dentist, uh, uh, Stanson, right? And then number two, one of my favorite college sports stories of all time. Do you remember legendary Temple coach John Chaney? Yes. All right. John Chaney, for those of y'all who are like in school now, just Google like YouTube John Chaney clips. These are excellent. Headline. Coach apologizes for, quote, sending in Goon for St. Joe's. February 25th, April or 2005, Associated Press. Temple coach John Chaney suspended himself Wednesday, suspended himself 
for one game and apologized for putting a player in against St. Joseph's a day earlier for the sole purpose of rough play and quick fouls. Chaney offered the self-imposed one game suspension after meeting with the president and athletic director. He will be replaced on the bench for blood. I'd like to apologize to St. Joseph's University, its fans, student-athletes, and head coach Phil Martelli for my reprehensible behavior during Tuesday night's game. I spoke with Coach Martelli today to voice my apology to him and his team. Chaney said he was not surprised by the reaction people had to his actions in 2J's home game. I'm either good or bad in some people's eyes, Chaney said in a brief telephone interview. There's no gray area. I apologize to the people that matter most. Chaney was upset about illegal screens. Chaney said after the game that he, quote, sent in a goon. <laughs> I love it, man. This is this is the same guy that told John Calipari he'd kill him in a post-game press conference. Yes. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is, this was kind of a... Fan. College sports doesn't have characters no. like this anymore, man. No. This is this is cool. By the way, the guy who put in there, his name was Ingram. So, quote, Ingram was not the only person I put in there, Chaney said Wednesday. I put three or four players in there and were telling him to, to make some hard fouls. Chaney was called for a technical in the second half after braiding the officials. said he never wanted his players to hurt anybody. I believe that it was a certainly uh, responsible that if I victimized my athletes by telling them to make hard fouls without telling them how hard a foul should be committed. He said, so it wasn't good with the specificity of how hard the fouls that be. Oh, he also reiterated his sending in a goon comment here on the Atlantic 10 conference call. Uh, Chaney complained on Monday during the Atlantic 10 conference call that the Hawks were guilty of sending legal picks and warned that he would send in a goon <laughs> to protect the house. I love it. There you go. <laughs> the uh, The president of the university was not, not uh, cool with referring to student athletes as goons, uh, apparently. And uh, so, yeah, he had to uh, he had to take a one game uh, suspension. I will uh, I will provide all the specificity needed if uh, one Adonis Thomas needs uh, needs any instructions. So we'll just uh, leave it at that and hope that uh, hope that this game presents ample opportunity for good, clean, uh, old fashioned hits. All right, guys, we've uh, mentioned them throughout the year, but just want to uh, thank our friends Tarpon Sellers. Uh, Bud, we've been able to uh, sample their wares collectively, and it's uh, it's a high-quality product, something that they're uh, going to continue to kind of diversify their offerings. But uh, they reached out to us and wanted to uh, wanted for us to let you, the listening audience, know that if you had an interest in, uh, in trying uh, Tarpon Sellers wine, that there is a 20% coupon that they've created uh, for the Nolcast listener base. That is Nolcast2018 is the coupon code. And that, like I said, would get you a 20% off of any online order. So again, Tarpon Sellers, T-A-R-P-O-N-C-E-L-L-A-R-S, uh, or you could follow them on Instagram, Tarpon Sellers there as well. 20% off for any Nolcast listener using the coupon code Nolcast2018. Prediction time. We should go with percentage chance of winning, I guess, and then also uh, a score. Percentage chance of winning. Uh, I will give Florida State somewhere around uh, 16%. I will go 12%. Trust me, nobody takes any pleasure in not predicting Florida State to win a game or anything like that. I... Uh, I will not bore anybody with my stories of fanaticism growing up, but it's not. Uh, this is not something that's uh, pleasurable for somebody that's been a, a crazy, crazy ass Florida State fan since the time they were five or six years old, and this rivalry is very much part of it and very much kind of interwoven into uh, to my experience as a fan. But I uh, long blah blah blah. 
I expect Miami to probably win this game 29 to 16, somewhere in that area. I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go 35, 13. I, I just, I cannot, I just don't see how Florida state can block Miami. All right. The, their defensive line is better than Virginia techs. Florida state's offensive line is missing several key pieces who are either not healthy or not playing because they're not it's healthy. worse than the unit that faced Virginia or Virginia tech. Absolutely. Right. Notably worse. So, I just don't see how in the world they can block them. Let me ask you this. If you're Taggart, obviously the fans want you to throw to chuck the ball around 50 times, right? That, that, that's very clear with our inbox and, and on Twitter and whatnot. Do you manage this game to, to keep it kind of keep the clock running? I mean, not necessarily at the outset, but if you see this is the way it's going, you don't start to like, like you know, if you're down 20 in the third quarter. You don't want this thing to become like thirty-five. I think there's uh, image concerns here. You don't. You don't need this game to make there a There is bowl. image concerns. You don't need this. You don't need this game getting crazy, crazy away from you either. Yeah, I, I think it wouldn't shock me at all to see kind of Florida State take take stock of where they are uh, at various points in this game, and and if there's a a chance to put a little bit of a governor on the game, then I, I one. I, wouldn't hate him for doing it, and two, wouldn't surprise me at all if that's something that they decide to employ. All right. Uh, we got anything else? Oh, man. We'll uh, look forward to your instant reaction on uh, Saturday. Hope uh, the uh, team ends up proving both of us wrong, and uh, otherwise this will probably bring it into our uh, Miami preview. All right, y'all. Uh, please give us five stars on iTunes if you think we deserve it. September was our best month ever in terms of downloads and listens. So very happy to uh, to see that our audience is still growing. And uh, yeah, we love you all. Appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon.